and welcome to Horror or Not, the one and only show hosted by Topher Pridgen, where we discuss whether or not films are horror. I'm joined today by my dear friend and partner. You know her as a, an actress of voice, stage, and screen. You know her from this goddamn podcast. <laughs> it's Nicole Lee Hood! Surprise! I'm back. <laughs> We're... This is what happens when you shelter in place with somebody, right? Like... You gotta, you gotta have the same guess. <laughs> it's gonna be a little redundant. Um, yeah, my guess pool is uh, down to you and whoever's willing to get on a, a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, I could have done this with the guitar. Yeah, we do. I, it, it'd be kind of weird. I asked Luna to be on the podcast, and she just called me a dumb slut and walked away. Yeah, she has bad opinions anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she said I got birds to chirp at. Yeah, she's busy. Yeah, thank you for thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me into my own bedroom to record this. <laughs> Glad to have you here. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to travel so far from you the know, couch to here, I this gotta, floor. I sacrifice for the ones that I love. Wow. So you're wow. welcome. Wow. Mm-hmm. Great sacrifice. So yeah, today we are going to be talking about a movie I have referenced so many times in yeah. various versions of iterations of our podcast red eye not the um south korean red eye right no no because then is... that wouldn't be horror now nah, because that one's very clear and plain yeah that's up and down yeah there's no th- yeah that would there's be the no wrong question. episode of the podcast I th- yeah. i'm pretty sure i got the schedule right i booked you yeah okay yeah we're good yeah yeah tight schedules yeah we're talking about the one with killian murphy and of course rachel mcadams who looks like a younger more like subdued gina davis yeah right lots of big gina davis big energy. gina davis energy especially in this one yeah i've seen this movie this might have been my third time i i only right. remember i remember the first time i watched it i might have seen it a second time i just don't remember but this last night might have been my second or third it's a if, tight 90 minutes like it's kind yeah. of an easy easy watch personally i think it's a lot of fun it's a nice little romp yeah now if i were to have you guess how many times I've seen this movie. Do you want to hazard a guess on that? Seven to ten? Yes. Wow. Nicely done. I guess we do hang out a lot. Well, you know, I, I'm also just psychic, so. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I saw this movie two or three times in the theaters. Once, wow. Yeah. You paid to see it that many times. It was like a $5 movie, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. I guess I I'm not too much of a movie theater goer like yeah. i don't see things more than once in um movie theaters usually yeah and i i almost always do <laughs> yeah yeah no i saw it the first time with my mom and one of her sisters and came out of it with just you know that very like that little u shape that you get on your arm when someone grabs you with your nails mm-hmm. i had 10 of those five on each arm Two, five, four on the top and one on the bottom. They were that scared of this movie? They were clinched up. I'm pretty sure they shat diamonds afterwards. I mean, I'll say this up top that it is scary for me just because I personally have such a such an intense fear of flying. Mm-hmm. Like, you will you will find me very incoherent on a flight. I am I am at that I get to the airport early so that I can go to the bar. It doesn't matter what time it is. If it's 8 or 9 a.m., I'll drink a Bloody Mary, a double Bloody Mary, mm-hmm. and then take a shot before I get on that flight. And then I will order. <laughs> I will usually have a couple little airplane bottles with me. I just It's just the only thing that will get me through it. And then, of course, I order one on the plane. 
And I'm just, I'm always covered. Like that is my number one essential. Like some of y'all have like sleeping masks. Some of y'all have those cute little rose face sprays, rose water face sprays. Some of y'all have, I don't know, those, those cold eye presses and shit. I've got alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only way I can make it through. And you know what? It's fine. Yeah. Anxiety is real. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I just sleep. I know. I know. You're lucky. I can't sleep um, unless I'm completely comfortable, which literally came up in our last podcast. Hmm. Funny. Oh, that did, yeah. So, yeah, I I saw it the first time with them, and then I ended up seeing it again with a girl I was dating in high school. It's actually a pretty good date movie. I would take a date to see Red Eye. Yeah. Again, 90 minutes. Right. Yeah. And then... I saw it, I think, another time in theaters, just, like, by myself, because I love going to the movies by myself. It's my favorite thing. Yes, that's correct. I know this about you. <laughs> <laughs> and then since then, I've caught it, you know, on cable here and there. I've I've intentionally rewatched it sometime in college, probably, and then again last night. So, yeah, it's it's I've seen this movie way more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And I think this was my first Wes Craven movie, which I'm, I, I just lost 10,000 points of credibility as a someone who talks about horror all the time, but I'm pretty sure this is the first Wes Craven movie I saw. Well, nobody's journey is linear in the horror landscape, so right. don't beat yourself, don't beat yourself up too much for that. Right, like I was too young for most of his movies, and he yeah. wasn't making much when between the time, like when from the time I started watching new horror movies. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not like I had a lot of opportunities. I saw Scream as a kid, but it was on accident. Like it was just like on, it was just on TV and being the weirdo that I was growing up, I was like, oh, this is like, you know, just like Hocus Pocus or Halloween (laughs) Town, but boy, was I wrong. I mean, that one I kind of saw on accident. And then of course I've seen this one. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat versed in Wes Craven, but... I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, that one too. I I kind of commit the same sin as you. But once again, like, all you can do is just correct that, right? Right. Just get more into it and then it's an easy fix. (laughs) Like, don't beat yourself up Actually, you know what? I just looked it up. My first Wes Craven movie was Music of the Heart. Oh, funny. That's... How is that the first time I saw Wes Craven? That's amazing. I love that about myself. Once again, journeys are not linear. But yeah, so like we were just referring to, this movie is from like well-known master of horror, Wes mm-hmm. Craven. Yeah. We, who we were actually just talking about as well because we were talking about Evil Dead. Yes. And the reference to The Hills Have Eyes in yeah. the first one. Which is why this one is so interesting to talk about on horror or not because it is labeled as thriller slash psychological thriller but yet it comes from Wes Craven Mm -hmm. so that is an interesting dichotomy there where you're like well how far does it come up to the edge of being a horror film you know yeah how far is it pushed this is definitely yeah this is one of those that I am I had in my head as a horror movie for a long time Mm -hmm. and I I think I don't anymore yeah, after watching it last night, it it does get still give me kind of like a back and forth because, yeah, you, you do have a clear quote-unquote monster here. You've got Killian yes. Murphy. He is definitely the evil one in this film. He literally somehow kidnaps on a public airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, it's pretty diabolical. But I think it 
in the same way or in the same vein that I said 10 Cloverfield Lane yes is like so close Mm -hmm. this one is very similar and maybe it is like the kidnapping story that ties those two together and the conspiracy of it all because like she doesn't know what's going on same with our lady in 10 Cloverfield Lane she doesn't know what's going on right right right. It's, it's it's in a pretty horrifying situation, but I'm just, I'm not sure if I buy it. It's like, yeah. it's like, once again, like 90% there. For I sure. think if some other things had happened in it, you could qualify it. Yeah. So why don't, why don't I just give a quick little rundown of what happens in the movie? Yeah, let's not, do that. We're not going to do, you know, you know what it is here. We don't do full plot beat unless it's vitally important to the, to the movie. Like Killian Murphy's scarf, that, that's vital to the yes. movie. Yes. It's a little panic at the disco wannabe. (laughs) (laughs) After this like random tracheotomy that he somehow like survives and is able to run through an airport. Just, you know, suspend your disbelief there. there. They kind of help you, though, with the doctor being like, oh, well, it's it's not that bad. It's just in the larynx. So I think that was like a little tool. Right. You know, so let me just. Yeah. Let me just jump jump in and do this real quick. I'm getting ahead of us. (laughs) Yeah. You're yeah. You're you're running faster than Killian Murphy through that airport. You're surprising and i'm over here trying hiding behind magazines like rachel mcadams oh she's so good in this movie but i'll talk about that later so basically what we have is yeah we have rachel mcadams as lisa riser she's a hotel manager she's trying to make the red eye flight from dallas to miami to her job Mm -hmm. she's a high-powered stressed out woman etc etc she meets killian murphy in the airport he tries to guess her favorite drink they get on a plane together and oh wow it's so weird we're like in the seat next to each other and we're having fun this is so cute what is what is this meat cute the moral of this story is don't flirt in airports <laughs> so we find out that he he then reveals that he's actually a manager of terrorists <laughs> that, he's a facilitator yeah that whole scene is really well written by the way yes like this it's a very very slow burn of like what is he getting at like you you are in the position of rachel mcadams here and that's incredible the way that they've written this to make you kind of feel this similar confusion Mm -hmm. and once she figures out what he's talking about it it's very simultaneous and i think that that scene is probably one of my favorites because it's such a slow burn yeah yeah. Yeah, we'll dive more into that too. Yeah. So he reveals that he's a terrorist facilitator or facilitator of terroristic actions or something like that mm-hmm. and needs her help to move this director of Homeland Security from one hotel room to another hotel room, presumably to be assassinated. So she's just like, no, I don't want to do that. Fuck that. Why would I do that for you? That's stupid. And he's like, well, I've got your dad and I'm going to kill him if you don't. Yeah. Now we have the stakes. And basically the rest of the middle of the movie, the whole second act is this like weird cat and mouse kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but locked in place. So they're going back and forth with various things, keeping Lisa from making this phone call. Yeah. Between the phone going out of service because they're they're on. Oh, my God. This weather. They probably should have never just even flown. I know that the first one was canceled and like they had to redirect and all of that. But like. Jesus Christ, I've I've been on some pretty turbulent flights, unfortunately, but this one is wild. And so, of course, the phone cuts out. Like, that's one of them. And she pretends that, you know, it hasn't cut out. And sure. then he finds out. And then you've got this whole, 
you know, she goes to the bathroom thing, writes um, with the soap or the foam or whatever in on the, the mirror, in yeah. the mirror saying like 18G has bomb a, or yeah, something. Tries to write a note in the and he Dr. finds Phil her. Book. Yeah, tries to write a note in the Doctor Phil. Like, yeah, there's this whole cat and mouse thing. I yeah. think that's the perfect way to describe it. So, finally, the plane lands. Killian Murphy claps like an asshole. Oh my god, this was the funniest part of the movie to me. I turned to you and I was just like, and he claps. The way he sells it, though, is just every single time I watch him act, I'm like, you're one of the greatest actors of our generation, and you should have just so much more recognition for being that person. Once again, do not flirt in airports. (laughs) You never know who you're dealing with. You never know who's going to clap when that plane lands. They may be a terrorist. They may be a plane clapper. They may be both. You never Just know. the worst. So Lisa stabs, and of course his name's Jack Rip, Jackson Ripner, which yeah. has got to be a fake name. But oh, for sure. It's, just vi- it's a great fake yeah. name. What a mm-hmm. good alias. What's so stupid, and I love it. Yeah. Just like, I, if I were a facilitator of terroristic actions, I definitely, too, would have fun with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, why not? If I'm going to be going out there using fake names, I'm going to have cool fake names. Yeah. That are potentially, that have a good backstory. All of them have good opportunities for lying about it. Mm-hmm. So Lisa stabs him in the throat with a fucking pen because he claps for the plane. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason she does that. I would too, yeah. frankly. So she stabs him in the throat, emergency trach, dashes off the plane. There's a chase scene through an airport. She's trying to get a hold of the hotel so that the director of Homeland Security can be moved. Yeah. Again, because he's in danger. She that also goes to her house to try and kill a hitman that's trying to kill her dad and succeeds in doing so. It's a lot going on. Jack shows up at the house. They have this whole, again, cat and mouse, but this time it's at the house. Mm-hmm. And eventually Jack ends up getting shot by her and her father. Yes. And then the director of Homeland Security, instead of immediately arresting her for having for questioning when she clearly has inside knowledge of a terrorist plot yeah that's a little quite yeah that's that's a little questionable to me that's the one that i was like oh no rachel mcadams isn't going to guantanamo also we cannot we cannot forget that little stabbing that she does with her little kitten heel mule sling bag yup i might have just said the wrong name of the shit like i think i just said i think it's a slingback mule Slingback mule. Yeah. It's got a little kitten heel. It's not high. But yeah, she like stabs him in the fucking thigh with that. Oof, and so I'm just good. like, yes. And she's like running in these and I'm just like, damn, I should get me some slingbacks. Mm-hmm. Like, if good you can run, heels. good running heels and like, yeah, why not? You never know. You never know when you need to flee. <laughs> <laughs> Again, don't flirt in airports. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's the plot of the movie. And so you just can have an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah. So... First and foremost, I gotta say, I love this airplane ripoff. I was telling you last night that, mm. like, this is just, we were talking about it when we were watching it, and I forgot just how many character actors are in this movie. Yes. Every, I, I, there's something I love, there's something so refreshing about the fact that every single person you meet in this movie is a fully fleshed out character. You know yeah, exactly got, who that person is. You've the got moment the lady, the lady with the Dr. Phil book, um, who we've seen in a handful of things. It, it's very like, oh, Oh, yeah, oh, it's a, I've seen this person. Like, it's all very recognizable. What's her name? That, um, it's an entire movie of Judy Greer's. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, everybody is from a thousand other things. They have just are hardworking actors. Mm-hmm. 
and all very good at selling all of these bits. I mean, yeah, so you've got, yeah, the lady, like you said, the lady with the Dr. Phil book. You've got mm-hmm. the pissed off, obnoxious couple at the hotel. You've got Cynthia, uh, yes. the girl who was, you said she was in Glee. She was in Glee. She um, was like the guidance counselor, played this like, you know, very obviously like doe-eyed type. Very Midwestern. Yeah, most definitely. You've got the the obnoxious dude who ends up being the doctor, who's all like, mm-hmm. "I want to see the manager." You've got you've got a lot. I mean, it's just it's the just thirsty, the thirsty middle aged yeah. white lady. The two you've got a lot kids. of like, I need to speak to your manager, but it's because the main character is a manager. Yeah, but um, <laughs> we've got a lot of that energy in this film. Um, but I just love that it's it it feels like a ripoff of Airplane in that every single person's a bit. No, it's definitely a nice touch. It's nice. It's um, it's just cool to see that. I don't see that a lot. And I think yeah. a lot of people underwrite their side characters. Yeah, this one's certainly not. Certainly no under underwritings of characters. And it for gives sure. it a, yeah, it gives it a nice air of camp at the beginning too, where it does feel like a rom com. Definitely. In the first uh fifteen minutes, it mm-hmm. you think if if you know nothing about the movie, you think that this is going to be like a little cute rom-com, especially with the casting of Rachel McAdams. Yes. Being from The Notebook, which did we figure out which came first? Yes. So The Notebook was the year before this. That's As what was I Batman Begins. Or no, Batman Begins was, was this year. It was the same year. Yeah. yeah. Is it, you've, you've already got like Rachel McAdams, who is basically at this point like the world's sweetheart, right? Right. I'll, I'll even expand it to that. Like... She so typecast into that and pigeonholed into that romantic comedy thing. Even She'd with done Mean Girls two years even, before. Yeah, too. even with Mean Girls. So you're thinking like she's in that vein of like commercial, mm-hmm. you know, hits all like romantic. Like she like once you're in a Nicholas Sparks movie, there's no going back. But um, <laughs> but Take no, that Mandy Moore. Right, right. But no, there's there's definitely going forward though, and she and and she definitely surprised us in this role. I was gonna say that as an actor, the 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 way that she balances her characters and securities, but also mm-hmm. with the strength that she's learned from you know, she reveals that she got the scar on her neck from someone holding her up in like a parking lot with a knife. So I think Rachel McAdams kind of ties that together beautifully because you still see this like very powerful woman in her job. She's, you know, right. a freaking five star hotel manager, mm-hmm. right? Like she's and she's very powerful. And she calls the shots. She does all these things. But yet you still kind of see someone who's like struggling to grow up, you know? Or grow in some way. Grow yeah. in some way. Yeah, and maybe not grow up, but like grow in some way, grow into herself, come into her power in other aspects of her life. Because right. her career is soaring, it seems. Until obviously it's halted by all this shit. <laughs> um, but like her career is soaring, but her dad constantly asks her if she's okay. Right. So clearly, you know, she she has and Killian Murphy even asked her, like, is there a reason your dad should be worried about you? And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, no, I'm you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. But yeah, I just I like bravo to both of them. They both give a very strong performance. But I think that Rachel McAdams really balances that like strong woman, but still coming into their own sensibility. Right. And I think it's really great because yeah. that, that takes us on a journey with her. Agreed. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess what we should really get into is whether or not this movie's horror. So I know yeah. we both said up top that we're not overly confident that it is. And I think that that's interesting because, you know, I mean, obviously Wes Craven's a very competent director. He's done a number of different types of projects. He's not yeah. just a master of horror. He has yeah. done Music of the Heart, which is a fun film. Yeah. He's done this, which has horror elements, but it's, it's I think 
it's hard to talk about this movie in certain ways because I'm like, this is so borderline with everything. And I think a lot of that comes down to the writing. Yeah. So the writer here was Carl Ellsworth. Yeah. If you know him, it's because he's written some pretty big things. Mm -hmm. This was his first like feature script. Right. That got produced. He immediately turned around and did Disturbia, which was the mm, Rear Window mm. kind of remake with Shia LaBeouf. With Rihanna. <laughs> was that song for the movie? I don't think that that song was in any way associated with it, but I really? always associated it with it in my head. I mean, you kind of have to. Right. I mean, obviously. A couple years after that, he did Last House on the Left. He wrote Red Dawn. He's got a movie coming out this year called Unhinged, and he's attached to the Gremlins reboot. Yeah. So he he toys with horror too, but it's funny because he didn't do anything horror before this. He wrote it's kind his, of like, like his first credit was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, nice. And then he did a bunch of animated things. He did a, a few episodes of Animorphs. He wrote this wild ass concept of a show that we just found out about today. Oh, the 2025. Yeah, it's called what? Cleopatra 2525. 2525. Yeah. Because it's the theme song was in the year 2525, that awesome song from the 60s or 70s, whatever it was. It was like, was that the Mamas and the Papas or something? Close enough. It's got a lot of that San Francisco energy. Yeah. Sorry, Frisco energy. Frisco energy. energy. (laughs) I I don't have, I can't even start talking about that, that show because I just can't even fathom how to begin and I don't have the long enough to sit here and dive into it. But it's, a weird project that I did not know about from legends, Sam Raimi and Robert Tapert. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, that's kind of interesting yeah. that like, yeah. And he wrote for Xena warrior princess, like all this stuff, you know, it's yeah. just, it's, it's kind of interesting that we've got like, it kind of ties into the theme of like, is it like horror or not? Nah? You know, yeah. be- because everyone who worked on it, it sounds like they've, more more than dipped their toes in like they've they've got like a full calf in to yeah the horror yeah. genre Wes Craven maybe a little bit more just because the the ones that he did became huge of course I mean again yeah. his career kicks off with the hills have eyes yeah then he creates one of the most iconic horror villains ever in Freddy Krueger exactly so he's about he's about um tits deep I would yeah. say um but everyone <laughs> maybe else just his nose is above the water yeah but like every everyone else scream i mean he's done yeah. all of these things. he's such god i love Wes Craven. <laughs> again there i mean there's a reason why he's you know talked about right um, sorry i just keep interrupting the yellow about with let's get wes craven but it sounds like everyone else who worked on this definitely had experience working on horror or horror adjacent projects but right they've also they're they're a little more you know well-rounded mm-hmm. and are taking experiences from other genres and putting it into this one and not saying that anyone should pigeonhole themselves into one genre ever when they're creating their art and everything but I do think it's telling for this just how much of like a tug of war it is Every right. step of the way of like, could this be considered a horror film? Could it not? You know. Yeah. I, so when we in the past on these episodes, I know that you have you and your respective guests have defined horror in a couple different ways. Right. Right. Like I remember Matt saying that it's kind of like something that sticks with you. Well, Matt and I did like a full structural analysis of what a horror movie could be. Yeah. That's. And I think that that's what was most like if I was going to boil it down with Matt, it would have been that 
there are structural elements that have to be in place for it to be a horror movie. Like you have to have certain yeah. beats. Mm-hmm. And it's not clear which ones are all all of which it's not clear which ones are entirely necessary and which ones are just kind of necessary or like yeah. helpful. It's always in flux, you know. They're they're always, you know, give and takes, but I mean, this one I would arguably say it has it has a jump scare or two for sure. Like yeah. when he when he hits her in the head, I right. would say that's a little that that is a jump scare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course when he's behind the door after she calls nine one one or they call her back. Yes. And then, like that's definitely a jump scare. And then you've got fight scenes. You've got a clear monster. Mm-hmm. You've got a pretty horrifying claustrophobic situation. Which, by the way. I just have to say this um, before we go any further. Most of us have been on planes, right? Yes. Most of us. How the fuck was there no reaction by anyone around them on that plane when they did anything? Like, they got aggressive with each other. When she stabbed him, yeah, we get later like, that lady stabbed him, so someone saw it. But like... On camera, we're not seeing any reaction to like him hitting her in the head with his own head. Yeah, and and like it... all this other stuff. And I'm just like, literally, how? Like, I can literally, when I'm on a plane, it doesn't matter where I am sitting. If you are adjacent to me, like somewhere within <laughs> like a square of me, I can hear every fucking word you're saying, and it's annoying. But that's why I'm like, this is kind of unrealistic. Yeah, it's weird. I think it's because this is, a, like, that's part of the setting here is that it's a red-eye flight. So this is 2 o'clock in the morning or something like so that. So, like, everyone's asleep. Yeah. It's everyone's crazy asleep or drunk or something like that. Like it's crazy. I, I, when I pass out on a plane, I don't know what happens until I get to my destination. My anxiety is just way too high that I'm listening to everything. And I guess maybe that's just, that's just me bringing in my own perspective, I guess. But that just always really confused me about this movie, how I'm like... How did not one person behind them or beside them? Because you've got the lady, the thirsty lady, who's like mm-hmm. into Killian Murphy, which don't blame you. Fair. Um, fair. Who clearly is like paying a lot of attention to him. Right. right? So how did, he, how did she miss that? How did she miss that? But I guess, again, for it to be an effective movie, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief, which fine. You know? Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's yeah. nice. That, like, the claustrophobia, I think, is great. And when I was talking about, like, the cat and mouse thing, that, I think it's, it's one of those things where, like, I want I kind of want to get to the structure stuff. I think that's what, that's what's relevant here. Yeah. For the, like, how to, how to understand it. Because mm-hmm. I think. I just had to say that about the plane before we fair. moved on. No, 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 definitely. Definitely. <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing. I think when I say it comes down to the writing and, like, what, what's wrong with it mm-hmm. is that it's two movies right right first half of the movie and i don't mean that in like so we were talking about this off mic where it was that to be a really effective horror director you typically have to not only be a master of your own genre but others as well most definitely you really have to be able to balance the first act of your movie which is always going to be a different not always but a lot of times yeah there's always those movies shit hits the fan and then you're like oh this is a horror movie inside of a romantic comedy or yeah yeah, or inside of a drama or Mm -hmm. like a court drama or like whatever you know or yeah so like i mean craven's definitely shown us he can do this yeah but it's it's interesting because like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is like a is just a sort of like teen sex movie for the first bit. Yeah, it's a it's a John Hughes sort of, sort of thing for sure. until it's not. Yeah, uh, this is a rom com until it's not. Mm-hmm. And I like that because it's that good inversion 
of what you're expecting. Yeah. Even watching this again, I'm just sitting there noticing all of the great rom-com elements in this. Rachel McAdams. <laughs> yes. All you need. <laughs> that signals uh, rom-com to me. I think Anne Hathaway signals rom-com to me. That is fair. She like she pulled a bunch of those. They they are two peas in a pod, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Where's their rom-com? I want to see them go on dates. They they could they could pull it off. <laughs> so I think there's just some structural issues. So I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't mean again like I said I don't mean the beginning of the movie. That's a good thing. That should be there. Yeah. It's the after. It's yeah. once they get off the plane. It's full on. Like, this could be a Harrison Ford movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is, feels like The Fugitive or any of those big, like, thrillery movies he did yeah. in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, once she's off the plane and running like Liam Neeson through an airport, yeah, that's when I go, okay, this is not a horror movie anymore because the last third of the movie is a chase. Yes. Because it starts off cool, nice setup, gets to this really, really cool, tight thrillery horror adjacent if not fully horror on the plane i agree with that i think the 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 filling of the oreo here is horror yes straight up but the cookies not so much right yeah and again i'm fine with that top layer of that cookie being we go rom-com horror thriller yeah yeah and like that that very particular vein of thrillers where it's running through shit you know yeah running through an airport driving a car trying to do things while you're running, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's a weird, it's a normal, like plot-wise makes complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work for me. That's I think that's where I stopped buying that it's a horror movie anymore because it lost its way halfway through yeah. if it wanted to stay horror. Maybe it didn't want to. Maybe it wanted to be a thriller Maybe the whole time. Maybe it always was that, yeah. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm not, like, I think this is a well-written script. I think there's bits and pieces here that I would change, but that's every movie. Yeah. Except the thing. <laughs> so like I I understand that there is a that I'm not the writer here and that he made choices and that's fine. I have no problems with that. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting to me and I don't know where to place it because of that. Is it just a broadly action thriller? Is it a psychological thriller? It it where does this fall? Because it doesn't feel like when I think psychological thriller I think of something that doesn't generally exist because it's such a hard thing to do. And I was looking over like all these different... I struggle with that uh, subgenre as well. But I think what defines a good psychological thriller is when you put yourself in the victim's shoes and you start thinking like, well, what the fuck would I do? And I think that if that is the only part of the movie that kind of scares you shitless then you can consider it kind of like a psychological thriller. And also the fact that there are so many webs being sewn here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like so many things are tied. Like they're obviously threatening her with her father's potential death. Yeah. They're blackmailing her, uh, essentially. And um, forcing her into doing something for their benefit. And then you've also just got this like very specific turn of like, you know, this is just a guy that she met and she was kind of like against it too. Like, I don't think she, she definitely wasn't trying to flirt in an airport. Like she was kind of like, oh, I don't know about you. I'm kind of just trying to get home, Yeah. you know, but then we've kind of got this turn where like, she's like, maybe I could really use someone to talk to. And then it turns into this thing. So then you automatically start thinking deeper about those consequences. Yeah. And it makes you afraid to speak to strangers in an airport. Yes. 
you know, and I think that if, if it makes you think differently and kind of ups those fear levels for you, then it could be a psychological thriller. That's how I personally define it. I mean, I, I think that's an interesting description of it because I've been and I like where you're going with that. I was looking over a bunch of these different like film scholars definitions of it, mm-hmm. of what a psychological thriller really is. And I just I, they're so interesting because all of them have different stuff. So I'm thinking of like Hitchcock's the one that we really point to for psychological thriller. Definitely. And I think unreliable narrator is commonly considered to be one of the big things. Mm-hmm. That's why I always point to movies like The Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. Because you're not clear on what's going on. Yeah. Or something like um something like but hopefully better than The Butterfly Effect. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that is where I would say, okay, that's where psychological thriller comes apart from psychological horror. Yeah. Where you 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 don't know what's going on but it's not some sort of existential threat maybe yeah it's more of a mental what the fuck's happening thing it's more yeah it's more cerebral you're you're having to dive a little bit deeper and pay attention and on like a different level than you maybe normally would and it feels more like a roller coaster right it feels kind of like an emotional roller coaster but that's a that's a great way to put it because it it i think it has to lack spectacle yeah. To be a psychological thriller. That's which is fair. Why you can't I think have, it, yeah. like, you can't have too many, you can't have, like, a supernatural element, I don't think, unless, that would push it over into, like, psychological horror, because you've got, like, a supernatural force yeah. or thing, whether it's tangible or not, but without that, then it's it might teeter on the edge of psychological thriller because i think yeah i think the true psychological thriller is the threat isn't clear yeah i think it can't be a clear threat and i think that's why the unreliable narrator comes up so much that makes sense yeah those kind of tie together yeah and i know that people say like plot twists as well but i don't think that that's a good version of it because like and i don't want to i don't want to confuse is something in the genre with is something effective do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we we often so, think of plot twists as something so drastic, but it yes. can be a plot pivot. Because right. honestly, in this one, it's not a plot twist. I no, think it's a plot pivot. No, I don't think there's pivot. any twist other than... You don't than... know anything about this man. No. He could, you know, he could be anybody. So it's not a plot twist that he works for who he works for. Right. It's, it's just a re- pivot. It's a revelation. It's even just revelation of character. Yeah. It's not like, a, I wouldn't call it a twist at all. Yeah. Because it's not like... The only twist is that you're moving into a horror or psychological yeah. thriller mm-hmm. from a rom-com. It's a genre twist. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not a... I don't think <laughs> a it's a plot twist, twist. Something like that. Yeah. 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 The plot is... I've always had a trouble with that terminology, too, because it's like people think, like, oh, such a twist or whatever. Like, oh, my God, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And I was just texting a good buddy of mine last night about M. Night Shyamalan and why we gave... I don't know how he got as many chances as he did. Who does he know? Right, right. <laughs> But it, he, I think, definitely puts twists in the plot because he tells you one thing and he's lying to you the whole time. Mm-hmm. The, you're not being lied to in this. No. All you're being told is that Killian Murphy is, you know, charming mm-hmm. and creepy. Yeah. So, like, that's, that's, that's completely consistent with everything that his character stays as. And it doesn't change the plot. It's, re- it's just revealing the story. So I don't think it's that. Yeah. Pivot's a good word because you're going like, oh, Okay, we're we're moving genres here. Mm-hmm. Cool. We are. We thought we were one place. We are not in that place. We're now we're in another. Yeah. Which is a pretty classic horror move. Mm-hmm. 
because you start in one genre and you pivot to the to horror. Yeah, it's that like gothic kind of just like twist the dial a little bit mm-hmm. to the right or to the left to make this a little more uncomfortable and yeah. then shit starts flying off. Yeah. Right. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is yeah. a road trip movie yeah. that becomes killer cannibal movie. Yeah. It's you know it's, And then like yeah. Halloween did kind of give us that babysitter trope where right. you're where you're like what's about to happen mm-hmm. you know yeah woman alone y- young woman alone young with, woman like, alone who you know she's she's trustworthy enough to like watch your kids but against yeah. like a killer maybe not yeah <laughs> like, house of the devil not. against you and your cult uh. <laughs> rosemary's baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely a thing that you do like all of these mm-hmm. movies there's all these movies that you start in one genre and then you pivot to another yeah like, and I, I think Halloween's another great example of that. Mm-hmm. It's just a movie about a babysitter alone. Like, it could be a drama, it could be a comedy, it could yeah. be anything, but then it pivots to, oh, God, we're all going to die. Yeah. Could have easily been, like, another, um, another like, 80s rom-com. Yeah. Easily. Like, in the Brat Pack Yeah, it could style. have easily been in, Could yeah. have easily. So we can say that, like, okay, cool. Horror is very, very familiar with plot pivots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or genre pivots. Yeah. So that tracks with this one. Yes. We've got that. But it's when it changes again at the end. Because I yeah. think it moves. It stays in the... It, that's where it comes out into a thriller. Yes. And I'm having a hard time calling it a psychological thriller because it's not... a Like, our, our we don't have a narrator. We have our protagonist and we have our antagonist and we have a cat and mouse game. And yeah. that's very, very consistent with thriller movies. Basically, all of them involve cat and mouse. It's a very easy way to write that. It's innovative in the way it does that in the beginning or in the middle mm-hmm. because they're playing cat and mouse and they have to sit right next to each other. They can't go anywhere. Yeah. There's literally no escape for either of them. Yeah. So the power dynamic is cool and interesting and that's where you get a lot of that good drama that makes this a f- interesting movie to watch. Mm-hmm. When it moves to the chase scene and like the whole thing with like the giant rocket launcher just taking out a floor of a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and then her driving 90 miles an hour through the somehow empty interstate of Miami. Yeah, and... that shit was crazy. When she stole that car, I was like, that is very <laughs> unrealistic. Like you would literally yeah. you would literally steal that car, get like 5 feet and then get stuck behind another car. Like this is just how airports work. Yeah. It's like, you know, people are picking up and dropping off, so like what the fuck like the guy would just probably like saunter up to you and just be like, "Bro, out." Why are you trying to steal my car? <laughs> like, that's not cool, man. But yeah, that kind of made me laugh too. But... but then it does bring it back into a something we're very familiar with from horror, mm-hmm. which is the, especially from Wes Craven, is the weird fight inside the house. Yes. This is also in definitely. Halloween. This is also in Scream. This is also in I, like every, every babysitter or slasher sort of movie that involves a house. There's a fight inside the house and they're all running around the house and like, how do I get through here? How do I get out of here? Do I stay and attack and maybe die or do i leave and try to survive and all of those choices right yeah and because she's in her own house with her own father mm-hmm. it's like the house she grew up in or whatever mm-hmm. it's cool to see her transition that like it's a nice it, again it's good writing yeah because you move from the plane which is his territory because he's not afraid of flying and he has the power over her because her father he can kill her father at any moment yes Via surrogate, it's a constant power shift. Yeah, and it's a cool it thing, but it's it that's where it moves into sort of this heroy, thrillery yes. sort of thing. And I think that even though it's adopting the language of horror, it's using it to speak another 
to, to do something else. Does that make sense? Yes, and I agree with that. And I think what makes it a thriller as well, um, and I'm going to preface this by saying that this is not necessarily... I'm not saying that this isn't present in horror films, because mm-hmm. it definitely is, but I think that it is certainly crucial for a thriller to have this, which is time is running out. Time yeah, is of absolutely. the essence. Yeah. And yeah, that is crucial for a thriller to have because you have to feel that, like, you know, heart palpitation. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're like, oh my God, uh, is, it, is this going to happen or not? Yeah. And again can be in horror films but is crucial to thriller films it's in bond it's in yes. mission impossible mm-hmm. it's in uh, hell even in um it's not, i wouldn't call it a thriller but oceans 11 or something like that yeah so that's what pushes it to thriller for me that it is categorized as the correct genre but like i said that oreo filling is a horror movie yeah we switch genres twice we start in a romantic comedy we go to horror and then we go to thriller and that's how it ends Mm -hmm. and again the 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 timer running out is what makes it a thriller for me yeah i think the countdown clock doesn't exist in horror movies that aren't like there are some that use it. Saw uses yeah, a countdown clock. Like, exactly. Uh, Hostel mm-hmm. would use that. I'm naming a lot of torture porn films, but there's others that would have them as well. The Purge yeah. would have that, mm-hmm. which is definitely another one that's sort of horror and thriller at the same time. Definitely. Because it's... And I, th- I think here's where here's where I'm going to go for it. The spectacle is what takes it out of psychological horror because there is a spectacle. That chase scene is spectacle. Mm-hmm. The explosion, spectacle. That's what makes it like those all those other spy thrillers or... I don't know, the, the entire genre of Tom Cruise running through streets and getting hit by explosions. That's thrillers. fair. That's that's completely fair. Um, and I, I actually, I, I can vibe with that. Would you consider something like I Am Legend more of a psychological thriller? Or is the spectacle of that, you know, the, the depletion of the human race? I think the spectacle of that is the big set pieces that they have. Okay. So. So not. No, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a weird, yeah. Psychological thriller has to be like a lot of horror for me, very tightly contained. Yeah. I don't see... It's not necessary, but it's a really good idea to have your your psychological thriller movies not be wide-ranging. The exceptions I can think of would be, like, Vertigo. Mm-hmm. But the when you talk about, like, it's... Okay, it's wide-ranging, physically speaking. He goes to a lot of locations. Mm-hmm. But the psychological part of it is is that his world is coming apart and he doesn't know how it's coming apart. Right. He's watching things unravel in front of him and can't figure his life out yeah he can't even find a where which direction the wind is blowing to put a sail up you know what i mean yeah absolutely so it's it's like navigating through the woods without a compass and i think that's where you get psychological thriller a lot of times even if you're moving around to a lot of different places the the actual tightness of it comes from the focus on this one character right or two characters but it has to be something like that like if you like look at butterfly effect it's because he doesn't his mind is unraveling and he doesn't know what's happening because mm-hmm. he keeps trying to do these things again not as much not as effective of a movie but it's a good example for something like that yeah donnie darko i would put in that category as well yeah it's not a thriller as much but it is a very heady psychologically weird movie you're absolutely right i think this movie just to play devil's advocate a little bit i think that whenever you have a situation of who's gonna kill who Mm -hmm. i think that that's a psychological thriller right there but it doesn't necessarily mean the entire movie yeah it's an element thereof but it's not the yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm getting at um with my point here 
is that the reason why this movie is probably described or listed as a thriller slash psychological thriller is that it definitely has elements of a psychological thriller where you're wondering who's going to kill who and when is the time going to be up and, you know, all of that. But it definitely is more of a thriller and is definitely more of a thriller than it is a horror movie, even mm-hmm. though it's a thriller movie with horror elements in the filling. Right? Because you have horror movies with thriller elements, but they're still horror movies. Right. This one is the inverse. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think this is 100% a thriller that was directed by a very competent horror director. Yes. And I think that that's, I think that's what it breaks down to. I mean, I know that sometimes I feel like we always end this podcast, this branch of the podcast, on this sort of lackluster thing. I feel like we sort of, when we bring it in for our landing, it feels like not a revelation, but just that like we've got someplace. But that's actually good work. Well, it's well, just funny to me. Well, no, because last night when we finished watching it, I started thinking like, like, oh god, this one might, this one, this one might just be a little too clear cut. Like, I don't know. Like, I had points to make and everything, but sure. for a while there, I was just kind of thinking like, well, this, you know, I, I, it might just be too clear cut of like everyone thinks that it's not, but coming to that Oreo cookie uh, realization. <laughs> I think that that shows the work within itself. So I think that breaking it down is still useful in this leg of the in this leg yeah. of the podcast. I think that instead of just you know th- there would be no point if we thought that every film was one thing or another. It's us breaking it down and figuring it out because I thought at first like damn, this is definitely a thriller. I don't think this is a horror film at all. Right. But now I've gotten more specific about it. And I think that that is the whole reason for this discussion. Sure. You know, a a lot of films we're going to find or you're going to find aren't horror films, but they're still worth talking about and nodding at the horror elements that are in it. Right? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So... I don't see the lackluster sparkle. No, yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's like I was looking up examples of psychological thriller, and it's it's so interesting to look at the ones I clearly forgot, like all of Aronofsky. Right, <laughs> Black Swan's probably the best example I could ever think of. Most definitely, most definitely. And again, that that one is okay. That well, one... actually, I want to do that on this. On this, I want to talk about whether or not that's a horror movie because yeah. I am so close to thinking that it is. Because I, I think there are kind of, there are definitely supernatural elements in that one. Like whether you want but to believe that or not, yeah, it's, is it's... she crazy or not? Which is that's another uh, tool that psychological. I'll save that one for the actual. I'll save my my thoughts on that for when I actually do it because yeah. I won't spoil anything. Yeah, but... yeah, that's another tool though. Is 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 right. you wondering what's real and what's not, mm-hmm. which is goes back to what you were saying—a clear narrator that isn't reliable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you meant by that. Mm-hmm. Thinking about like, I mean, hell, Cronenberg would be another one. Mm-hmm. With I mean, The Fly is definitely a horror movie to me. Yeah, but it it definitely borrows from psychological thriller. There's ways that movie could go that would make it not horror and turn it into a thriller. Most definitely. Dario Argento, like, there's so many people in here. Park Chan-wook, who we've talked about on the podcast before. We've referenced him before. The yeah. director for Old Boy. And, of course, my man, David Lynch. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend. Um, and, like, I also want to cover, like, there's so many movies I want to cover that are on this list. Like, um, Shutter Island. Oh, absolutely. Because it's been forever since I saw, I've seen that movie, and I have no, I can just not remember anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting to see what people categorize as that and because it's funny because I've, I've talked about it before that i think most psycholo- most movies built as a psychological thriller aren't 
Yeah. They either fall into horror or they fall into like just an action thriller, like this. Action thriller, which yeah. is what I think. That's I mean, that's what it's listed as. It's one of the genres it's listed as, but it's yeah. I think it's been, thriller first with elements of other things. I think that's exactly right because yeah. I think the arc is a thriller arc, and yeah, especially because definitely. of how it brings itself in for a landing. Yes, I would agree with that. I'm trying to think of like how you would punch this up into just a straight horror movie. What do you do with that third act? Because I'm I'm sitting here thinking we've done this a couple times in this on this yeah because we did it with Snowpiercer, uh, Prem and I did it for the invitation i think let's see so once you get off the plane that's where we're that's yeah bookmark where we're at once you get off the plane because now we've set it up for a horror film Mm -hmm. i think maybe what needs to happen once you get off that plane is hmm. it's tough because you don't want to go the like the descent the supernatural because you haven't set anything up for that. You can't yeah. go supernatural here. I think you've got to go for, like, I mean, to use a, a term that we used before, you might have to go for, like, an unexpected plot twist or something. I don't know. I really don't know how you would make the ending a horror film because it's yeah. already just so set up to be, like, a chase. Like, mm-hmm. what um, what would you do? Well, okay, let's say that Killian Murphy kills over. Like he's he's done. Like the the, yeah. the tracheotomy kills him. What if he's knocked out of the equation? What could happen there? She's running through the airport. She escapes. Sure. She goes. What might make it? What if what if everyone got like trapped in the hotel? Then you're onto a new movie, though. Yeah. True. Um. I don't or, know that there's a right answer. I don't. For this. Yeah. I it's, don't. Know it's funny because this movie is so well written that I'm like, well, I'm like, maybe yeah. I don't need to change it all. It's just it's a fun little experiment for me because like. Yeah, and I kind of just open my mouth to see what will come out. Um, but sometimes, sometimes that works. For me, it would be, I think you could just rip off Halloween in a way. Yeah, that's what I, I was trying has to Michael avoid Myers that, energy, but right? I get it. Yeah. He has that Michael Myers energy of like, damn, this bitch is hard to kill. He's like a fucking cockroach. Yeah. <laughs> he gets <laughs> damn. stabbed in the throat, punched in the, like knocked out for a second. He gets a little panic at the disco cockroach. Yeah. <laughs> that scar. Stabbed in the leg. Yes. Smacked with, with a the fucking field hockey club bat stick shot and still doesn't as far as we know die yeah i'm wondering if i'm wondering if what would make it maybe a horror film is if the chase went on longer and more people were involved like if the gun never came in play i think the gun needs to be out of play yeah and i think it's just her and him in the house i think dad's not involved yeah yeah i think that's the only way that you really could punch it up without right there without putting yourself in a different movie Yeah. yeah And it just becomes like, it just becomes Halloween, which is a good, great movie. Not a bad one to rip off. It's just, I think that's the only, just, you know, on the, on the spot. It's the only way I could do it. I'm not in the writer's room, so I I don't have time. Also, if the good guys don't win, that could be a I think that's the other, I think, yeah, if you give it a bleaker ending, something like that. Yeah. The good guys don't win. Killian Murphy is still out there. Yeah. That's pretty horrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Good guys don't win. Turns into just Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy in the house. The gun is not involved, and maybe we have no idea what, like, no happy ending, I guess is what I'm saying. We don't right. know what like happened. she can't the... get in touch with the hotel, so she doesn't, nothing yeah. happens. Like... So we have no idea what happens with the hotel. I yeah. think that's the key. I think that's the key is you don't get a happy ending at all. Because mm-hmm. we get a very happy ending in this one, except for the fact that they have to now rebuild, but at least they're alive to rebuild. Yeah. So that's... And relatively undamaged. Yes. They'll be fine. They're, once again, like a 
five-star hotel. Yeah. Probably got some money. Oh, I just meant physically, too. Like, Phys- Brian, Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. They're How do fine. we not even mention that Brian Cox is so great in this? Is it just like the dorky dad? Who has no idea what the fuck's going on. He's so oblivious and, and it's so perfect. And then comes to the rescue. Yeah, that was a, I, that's one thing that I was like watching. It's like, God damn it. I saw it at the beginning and I was like, I couldn't remember how it ended for some reason. Yeah. I was like, oh, is Brian Cox going to save her after doing nothing the whole movie? God, yeah. Is she yeah. going to do all of the hard work and he, and then gets, he, the, gets, he the gets the hero, hero moment? Yeah. yeah. Because she's not truly damseled. No, she... She's fighting for her life, and so is Killian Murphy. Yes. Well, for her life, because he wants to kill her. But he keeps yeah. getting wrecked. So I think I'm not I'm not as mad about it as other things, because she doesn't get knocked out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she's not truly, truly damseled. Yeah. She's scrapping for her life. It's just that her dad manages to get his hand on the gun first. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't see her as a damsel at all. Yeah. It's the least egregious version of damseling. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. But it still is like... Just let her have the moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I agree. I kind of, I mean, I like that the dad for his personal arc was able to like, quote unquote, protect her because he so desperately wants to. Yes. Throughout the whole film. So I, I, I like that. Um, but I do kind of like, there's a hu- huge part of me that's like girl power and like wants yeah. her to, you know, yeah. be the one that finishes him off for Not her own Not to be a girl boss feminist, but yes. Yeah. Um, but Anyway, uh, should we do just last thesis statement? Yeah, on yeah, this, I think. Right? Yeah, I, you're I think the host, for this. I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. No, 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 you're good. Over. You're good. You are a, a dominant personality sometimes, and I love that about you. Yeah, well, makes you me know. happy that yeah. I don't have to like drag you everywhere. You would never. No, couldn't. Not if I tried. You're much stronger than I am. True. I open all the jars in the house. That's just. that's that is actually facts, everyone. That is a very true thing she just said because I can't ever open shit. Half the time it's because my hands are either wet or covered in oil. Other times it's because I don't work out as much as I should, and Nicole works out all the time. I'm a strong bitch. Yes, you are. Um, but anyway, my my um, cute little tied up in a bow thesis statement for this has to do with an Oreo cookie. Obviously, yeah. it it is a romantic comedy and a thriller with horror filling Mm -hmm. once you are on that plane and shit hits the fan until you get off the plane it's a horror film Mm -hmm. and i think the only way that you would be able to make the rest of it a horror film is if you did not have a happy ending if we didn't know what happened to the hotel if Rachel McAdams is the one that dies and it was only her and Killian Murphy in the house and he ends up killing her. Yeah. You, and that's probably a worse movie too. No, I, I don't want that movie. No. But I think that's the only way that it would continue on or one of the only ways I won't mm-hmm. say the only that it that it would be a horror film. Yeah. So this movie is a big fat double stuff Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it was an Oreo Thins because it's such a tight runtime. That's fair. It's I think I just like double stuff minutes. better. Yeah. They're more delicious. They're delicious. Yeah, I think for me, it's a really well done movie. It's very well directed. The writing's pretty solid, mm-hmm. especially for a, a first feature. Yeah. Like, I don't think it knows exactly what it is the whole time. And I think that that kind of works in its favor in certain directions. Maybe that's Craven saving a mediocre script. Who can say? Mm-hmm. But I think that's that's what I have here. I, I think this is a really great movie that I've enjoyed and seen so many goddamn times. And... It's not horror, but it isn't bad. Yeah. I enjoy it. It, mm-hmm. it keeps me on my toes, edge of my seat. Other than that, plugs, recommendations, I don't know. Do you want to sign us off since it's your, your segment? Yeah. I'll just, uh, 
I'll say stay inside, stay safe, wear a mask, don't listen to these idiots, don't take hydrochloroquine if you aren't a lupus patient and haven't had it and haven't had it prescribed to you by a doctor and for horror and awe that's it where can you find us oh social media no shit fuck Um, it's okay i'm always the one that does it so it's not because i'm lazy uh horror babes pod on twitter horror babes podcast on instagram horrorbabespod.com is the internet place for us you can find me at tofaloaf on everything but don't leave me alone you can you can bombard me. I'm Nicole Lee Hood on Instagram and Twitter. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, you're welcome for having me here today. <laughs> yes. You're welcome for me letting you be here. Okay. Um, right. Until next time. Yeah, later, dudes. Bye, babe.